0: Thanks, Adrian, and uh, greetings to you. So glad to be back with you this time. Praise the Lord. I've been looking forward to today, and uh, well, here we are, only just for a short overnight trip, and uh, I just trust that this will be a time where the Lord will speak to us as we believe Him for greater days ahead. The Bible says when the days are darker, the glory of the Lord is even brighter, Amen. and um, things have changed a great deal, especially in the last one year, one and a half years. They say it's a new normal. Some people are still wanting to go back to the old ways. This morning, my old friend here, Fred, is telling me that we can't go back anymore. I'm glad to hear that because he is a man senior in years and he's recognizing that things have changed. And so therefore, last night I was saying to the group that we had that if we were to think that we can return to what it was maybe one and a half years ago, two years ago, we probably would be kidding ourselves because the world system is not allowing it because they are moving on very rapidly. Things are changing very rapidly. But there are certain things that will not change because it's God's agenda. And when it's God's agenda, no matter what man would do, they can't change it. COVID-19 had shut down church buildings, but I keep telling people all over the world that buildings might be shut. The hardware of church might have been closed, but the church of Jesus Christ, the real one, the ecclesia, can never be shut down. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Underneath this this whole concept of the church is something far more important than what we've been doing because what we've been doing is capable of being shut down. All of a sudden, the sounds and the sights and and all the happenings, you know, that people come and get some thrill from, suddenly they are no more. And so, Christians all over the world, this time is the first time ever in human history that the whole world is affected by a pandemic. There are Ebola, there are uh, uh, cholera, there are TB, tuberculosis, years, years, years ago. Never at a global scale. This is the first time. And... Never before has human been tracked down as we are being tracked down today. Every one of us. You've got to make a decision as to figure out what time we are living in the world today. It's not the same as what it was before. So therefore, you can't return to those days, no matter what traditions we have. And by the traditions that had been, you know what? The Christianity, the gospel, the churches that had been in different parts of the world have been badly affected and had been on the downward slope in many nations. Some of you have backgrounds from the different parts of the world, and you would be able to verify for me the reality of how the church is actually taking a backward step. And this is in a time when we have mega churches, And so maybe I can claim to have whatever thousands that we may have around the world today, it doesn't matter. Compared to the world population in global scale, we are the minority. And when I met with a few German pastors, uh, and these guys are, 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 are significant in their own country, from Germany. That was only a few years ago when I was in Sri Lanka at a, at a certain apostolic summit. These this few pastors kept using a word that I have not used and had not been kind of like uh, feeling it until they kept repeating that word from the podium. Whenever it's their time to share, they used the same word. And that word was remnant. And I asked them, why do you talk like that? Well, that's because that's the way they feel it in that part of the world. But you know what? The world's theological foundations came from their theologians. And the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have in around the world, much of it came from Europe. But what's the story now with them? Having said that, I'm not a pessimist because I kept looking and I, I still find that there are hot spots of the gospel in Europe today, hallelujah, there are. So don't get into a pessimistic thing and thinking that everything is doom and gloom, it's not. Like I said, when the, when the world gets darker, the glory of God gets brighter. And I think we're in this spot and in this place, hallelujah. The text that I'm using today is Adrian took it from my mouth, really, and uh, and and it is the Lord's prayer. So let's turn to it in Matthew chapter uh, nine, uh, chapter uh, six, verses nine and ten. Well, I might read to verse thirteen. You know, uh, maybe I should read from verse. 7 onwards, when you pray, don't babble, I'm, use, I'm using the NLT, the New Living Translation, just in case uh, you, you've tried to figure out what's, t- anything else that you're using. It's not the best translation that I have, actually it's a, it's a bit of a paraphrase really, but I know that it's uh, something that the people are using it because it's modern language and easier for people to understand. I've already found uh, uh, words that are being used that are sometimes still better presented, in the other versions, and, uh, and I check with uh, King James, I check with the uh, authorized version and the NIV all the time, but never, never mind, we'll still put, on, put up with the uh, modern-day version, all right? When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for their father knows, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Now this is in response to the disciples They were asking Jesus, teach us to pray. Uh, and this is how Jesus taught them. He didn't teach them to pray how to get answers to meet their daily needs. Because we have just read. He says you don't need to do that. You don't need to repeatedly keep asking for what you need because the Father knows it. There's something else you need to pray. There's something far more important in God's plan for you. And if you're just carrying on in praying regarding your daily life, you're missing something, there's a higher plan of God, higher agenda. And this higher agenda is a powerful agenda. It's an agenda that will affect every area of your life if you believe it, if you actually will enter into it, because when you enter into it, you enter into a higher plane in life. And then when you're at a higher plane, you are in a higher place with things available to you. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, everything that you need for life and godliness is actually already available for you. We kind of know the scripture. In, in fact, this has been on my lips quite a bit in recent years because... I realized that very many of us are well educated because we have been tutored well with a culture of listening to sermons. So we, and I'm in this business for 40 years now, maybe even more, because before then I would be like many of you, serving in the youth group, serving in the student group way back in Melbourne. And this would be called WCF or w, uh, WM, Waverly Mission, became Waverly, C, Waverly, uh, City, uh, Waverly Christian Fellowship, then become City Life in Melbourne. That was my background, okay? So Kevin Connor, Richard Holland, these are my spiritual fathers. And then, of course, 1981, I went back to Malaysia and planted churches. And with one church, we got on to quite a lot. And... Uh, But I am accustomed to the fact that we have a certain culture that we know a lot, but we need to now grow a lot and enter in a lot. How many say amen? Amen. Because we want to experience what God has said in the Bible. Why are we living a life that is substandard if God has a higher standard? I think God wants us all to get into fullness. All right. All right. And so this is what Jesus is talking about, a higher call, a higher plan, a higher agenda, and it's for us. And so here we go. He says, you pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, or hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come soon. Well, it's not like that. It's as if like kingdom is down the line. That's why I told you at the very beginning, I'm choosing this to tell you that sometimes when you read from the translations, you've got to be careful of your theological understanding of it. Because this is telling you that kingdom is postponed. Come soon. But it's not postponed. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. It is not something that is to come. It is not something that will happen only when you go to heaven or when Jesus Christ comes again. Definitely when Christ comes again, the fullness of the kingdom comes. However, when Jesus arrived, the kingdom has already arrived. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means it's within reach. It's here. And that word, the kingdom of heaven, is at hand is like the waves coming from the ocean from the sea hitting the shore and it's coming again and it has hit the shore when Jesus came Matthew chapter 12 verse 28 Jesus said if you cast out the demons or cast out devils the kingdom of God has arrived so who said is postponed it's arrived. So the reality of the kingdom, he says, if you seek first the kingdom, same chapter, and his righteousness, everything is added to you. That means that's kingdom life here now. Not something to come. And when, we, when, when he was teaching them to pray, he is teaching them to pray, kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins and as we have uh, forgiven those who sin against us, don't let us us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Why do I say that it's today and not tomorrow for the kingdom to come? That's because the evil one is here today. If he's here today, God has to be very real today. We have got to break the power of the religious mind to just only live a religious uh, kind of mindset without seeing the power thereof. It is important, it is vital that we see the Lord causing our lives to enter at a higher plane. You see, your success in life depends on which level you enter. And that has got to do with your mind. Your entry level is important. We give our children education. We send them to college or university. Because times pass, in times past, our fathers, our parents' generation, they never had the privilege of education. And there was the idea that when you have an education, your children will enter life at a higher level. Your entry point is important. And so we send them to education, send them to university, and some of them come out as lawyers, others come out as straight people, well-trained and certificated, certified. And it is about having them a better life, giving them a better life. And that's about giving them a higher entry point so that they don't have to slog like the older generations did slog. Not that slogging is a bad thing. Actually, working hard is a good thing. We we should keep working, actually, because otherwise we will grow weird. We either become grumpy or, you know keep working and I think that they'll do us good. But I know that we, 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 there will be limitations as we grow a little older. But we have to still keep our minds active. Nevertheless, the point that I'm saying is we need to make sure that we understand this. When you are born again, you are born again to see the kingdom of God. John, John chapter three verse three and verse five says, when you're born of the Spirit, and born of water, you enter the kingdom of God. See and enter the kingdom of God. It is not born again so that you can see the church and the services that we have on a Sunday. But that's the way it has been. And that has somehow, the paradigms that we have been brought up in The system of church that we have inherited for all these decades, maybe even for the last one, two hundred years or more, the system that we have inherited has formed an invisible cap, an invisible veil, and it may be described as a religious veil that has kept us from entering into the fullness of kingdom life. We know a lot of scriptures, we heard a lot of sermons. How come people are still struggling? How come people are still living on tablets every day? And sometimes people living with a handful of them every day. And they are Christians. And we sang the song about how we are healed in the name of Jesus. What is the problem? And I've just said that. In the mind of Jesus Christ, He is saying that your daily needs ought to be met. But there's a life higher, and it's called kingdom life. When I preached this in Moscow and, and also in the, in the in the in Russia, the pastor was, wow. And he was excited about what I preached. That was some years ago now, a few years ago, and because the Lord has been saying to him, "I believe what I'm talking about today." could be like what Dick Iverson said years ago, present truth. It is something that the Lord is saying in the world today. So I'm not exclusive to it. I was given a bit of a a reality of it around about uh, 15 years ago. 2006 was when I felt the Lord, not when I I felt, I really had an experience with the Lord. And that particular day when I heard that from the Lord, my mind changed. Many things have changed since then. He told me on that day with a, I still call it typewritten kind of thing, you know, a sentence that etched was etched in my mind since then, 15 years ago. He said, the church, his church, my church, is my movement for the kingdom of heaven on earth. My church is my movement, his church, the church is his movement for the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now 15 years ago, that means I have been in church planting, pastoring for 25 years already. By that time I would have more than 10 churches under me that we have planted and that is not counting those that are planted overseas. Whatever that I'm saying and, and mention to different ones did not count the churches that are overseas because some of the stories in overseas have been quite phenomenal and really exciting, but because you help people to plant, they are doing all the hard work, you know. I don't want to claim them, and after all, I'm not into trying to build something in my name. <clears throat> so. I felt the Lord was saying something that I didn't fully understand. Why are you telling me about the church and kingdom? Number one, isn't church already doing kingdom? Number two, isn't Christianity already kingdom life? And when I begin to to study it, I discover that there is a disparity. You can have then I, 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 along the way, you know, we, you pick up things that people talk about. Uh, people will talk about, uh, uh, today we are doing this thing called Christianity. I thought, what's that? That means you can be doing church, and it's in the form of Christianity. But I then discovered that it may not necessarily be kingdom. You know that word, but you don't know what it means and how to live it and not necessarily living in it. It is quite startling for me because you are not just only a local church man or I'm not just a local church man. I've been church planting. I've already been going into the mission since 1995. We have been going into the nations. So 2006, 10 years on, 11 years, I've already been into the world and here I am, spoken to by the Lord, as if like, do you know what you're doing? You know how I feel. I thought I've given my life for this. I've done a lot, I've traveled a lot. And you are telling me that do you really know what it is? Kingdom life versus your Christian life, so called. Or kingdom life versus your church life. So I went back to the, reading the Bible all over again. And then I discovered. I'd like to encourage you to do the same thing. Today is May the 2nd. Last night, May the 1st. And I would hope that May the 1st would be a, 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 an inspire, inspiring moment in your church life here, and your Christian life as well. Read the Bible again with a different lens. The lens that we had swapped with another lens pair of glasses, a different lens, and start reading the Bible with the lens of the word kingdom, or the phrase kingdom of God, and see what comes out. I will go through a little bit this morning for you, and it it will be quite startling to realize that our life ought not be shortchanged by our traditions. Our life ought not be subjected to only what the world wants to do and they carry on irrespective of you. In different nations, they can pass laws any way they like and they have total disregard for the Christians. You know what I'm talking about. And so you can say all you like, the system of the world seems stronger and we are singing songs that God is greater hey, I think it's more than singing songs. We want to enter into reality. We want to see, we want to enter. And God is saying to me, life is about entry levels. If you enter life with a level of just only what it is today, it may not be sufficient for you to face your next day. Because your next day could be harder. Your next day could be a day whereby the young people, the young ones that we're having in, in our families are going to be confused, maybe, are going to be challenged in the concepts that the world is carrying on with their concepts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Certain things will not be necessary for me to say it over the pulpit now because this is recorded. But I guess you know what I'm talking about, that we need to make sure that our young lads, our young people at the back there, in their teens, they actually enter into life powerfully. They have the potential of entering into life. So my thing is here, my my, my message here is not only for I'll come to that not only for the, the, the just doing church, not just encouraging, giving somebody a jab again so that you can face your next week. Not just only motivation. I trust it will be motivating you because we are entering into a higher level. Hallelujah. I think God is wanting us to have an upgraded church life, Christian life, kingdom life. And it is about understanding that you've got to change your lens now. Because if you keep looking at your life as a Christian from your lens of yesterday and in the tradition, in how church was done, and then you cannot hack it with with the idea of shifts coming in, new normal, you are going to miss out on what the Lord wants to give us in our experience. What was only able, what was done one and a half years ago, today I can't do, and this is a new normal. I can't get into the nations that I used to go. I can say that maybe since I'm already 60, 70 years old, maybe it's time to retire. But I'm not a defeated fellow. I'm still very excited about life. Somebody prophesied, not really, he said, You know, Pastor Jeremiah was around the table and said, "Uh, uh, How old are you? I said, You guess. And he said, Maybe you are 50 going to 60. I said, Thank you very much. Keep prophesying. (laughs) Then, when I told him how old I am, they said, You don't look your age. I said, Keep prophesying. That's really wonderful. (laughs) But you can count, okay? You go into planting churches in the late 20s, and I I just declared I'm I'm 40 years into it. (laughs) You just add them up, it's simple mathematics. But, you know, in some ways I was telling the Lord, you're telling me these things quite late, you know. I wish you had told me this <laughs> earlier. And when I went into Sydney and had a, had a seminar done in Sydney about two two and two and a half, three years ago, and that pastor is in his 70s, he's, he's 74, he says, Pastor Jeremiah, you're telling me all these things and they sound so good, but isn't it a bit late for me? <laughs> I said... I, I, not, not, it's not my doing. I think it's, God has a timing for everything, and maybe it's not about us only. It's about us definitely, because you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. From what I have read regarding the Bible, He said He, he is always having three generations in mind—always Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It will be wrong to think that one generation is irrelevant to the other, because you need all three on the same deck. Because God's kingdom is a big thing and everyone is useful. The young ones will have the energy and they will have the vibrancy. The older ones should have the wisdom, should have the anointing to be spiritual fathers and mothers to impart in the nature of God. I mentioned to you 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, about God uh, giving us everything that we need for the for life and godliness in that same chapter. By the way, 2 Peter, the book of Peter, uh, two, two, two epistles, uh, two, two chapters of this Peter 1, Peter 2, okay? Is about last days. And it is about understanding that. While God has this thing regarding His divine plan, He's also requiring a divine nature. Right in the middle between Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, divine plan, divine nature are the promises of God that will be for us to live in fullness of life. The nature that we are to grow into, His divine nature, is a very powerful essential. So we shouldn't be living our life just like as it was, dependent on the world system as good as they are in technology, in medicine, and in scientific uh, uh, improvements. We enjoy all these things. We need them. But we still have to be very conscious of developing something that, is, that will break the invisible veil over our heads and enter into our higher level in life. He says, you pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is not a religious prayer. It is not a prayer that will just only uh, make you uh, enter into a a ritual thing. It is about the government of God coming into this worldly government. It is about the domain of God entering into this domain. Everybody lives in three domains. The domain of yourself, the domain of your life, and the domain of of your your, your social domain and your work domain. Emphasizing any one of these, we are out of keel. Your work domain, you would have no time for God. Social life domain, church becomes a club. And if you have the the, the self-domain preoccupied, you will be very self-focused and self-absorbed. But God is trying to make us people, trying to uh, give us a new creation that will live in the realm of these three domains with the power and the empowering of the fourth domain, dimension domain, the kingdom of God. Does that sound good? It is. And it not only sounds good, it's meant to be a reality. It's meant to be for you and for me, for all three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Coming in, Moses to Joshua. And you know what these fellows were all about? They were all about ushering the king's domain. When I read the Bible all over again, I discover the Bible is talking about kings and kingdoms right throughout the whole of the Old Testament. Why? That's because that's what it's all about. Jesus did not come and invent a new thing. Jesus came to carry out the Father's will which was all about ruling earth from heaven right from day one. Adam mucked it up. Satan helped him. And then we've had some kind of idea about the gospel, but somehow the gospel emphasized on salvation so that we can go to heaven. Might not have emphasized on what it is to enter into the kingdom. Because why? Theologically, some people had postponed the idea of kingdom. And I just read for you to, to read to, 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 to you this morning, NLT. As noble as it is, wanting to help people to understand in English, uh, not wanting to just be engrossed in Old King James, which is really difficult to, to read, we must understand our theological foundation clearly. To know that God actually wants you to experience kingdom life today. And it's now. So I read the the Old Testament and discover it's about kings and kingdoms. It's about man made by God, created in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. For the purpose of being fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Have dominion. rule and rule NIV King James says have dominion Have dominion means have dominion on top and Deuteronomy chapter 28 says if you obey you will be on top not at the bottom head and not the tail then why are Christians living in such a way whereby we have to be just totally dependent And where are the supernatural, miraculous works of God in the modern church today? Not for the lack of desire. Many people desire it. But you see, if there is a lid, if there is a cap over it, you can have all the desires you want and you're not pushing through it, you just don't get it. There has to be a training, a developing, of a certain mindset, a certain eyesight, and a certain insight in life that might have to change the way we do church. And I was just sharing with Adrian just now, when you want to enter into something that the Lord is saying about today, don't change the hardware. And notice that you have changed the way of seating. And um, the starting point is not the hardware. The starting point is your software. might be a little bit of a computer language here, but the software meaning vision, meaning word of God, meaning the true message regarding faith because faith is not a hardware. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not even in this realm that you can touch, but it will translate into power and supernatural authority of God being experienced by man. So point number one that I'm making here is that we need to change our glasses. Look at your Christian life from the angle of the kingdom, point number one. Look at life from the angle of the kingdom of God. And when I thought I was doing it already because I was entering into missions, and was doing a lot of thing regarding church planting and preaching the gospel, the Lord, maybe it was because of that, that's why He chose to talk to me. And because I, I fear God. And so He knew that I would follow up from what He said, that He wants a movement. A movement for the kingdom of heaven on earth. And since you're already on the way, let it be greater and power. And that was like, what? Adrian said, he had a word for, for me many years ago regarding a, a, a prophetic word to say that God is going to give me a fifth gear. I didn't know that. I, I can't remember that. And I think that that's the fifth gear. The fifth gear is the kingdom lens. You know, year one, gear two, gear three. Nowadays, you don't even feel it. Automatic, okay? Um, but in those days, maybe it was still manual, I think. <laughs> fifth gear. Kingdom lens. And it involves re-reading the Bible. It involves re-examining the way we live. And it involves understanding that all three generations are necessary for the kingdom of God. Without Abraham, there's no Isaac. Without Isaac, there's no Jacob. And after all that, it is still referred back to uh, uh, Abraham. After all that, Jesus came so that in Christ we are Abraham's seed, Galatians. So you tell me that the older generation is not necessary? That's not what, Bible, what the Bible says. The only thing is, we can be irrelevant. As I'm getting closer to the other side now, we can be irrelevant, but it's according to our vision our eyesight and our insights. If our eyesight and our insights is just only according to the way we live on this earth, we can be irrelevant to the next generation. But I'm trying to tell the next generation that you know what? You'll be very useful to have the older generation along with you. Sometimes it's good to be Asians because they have extended families closely knit so that they can pass the baby to them. And I think today we need that too because childcare is quite expensive here. And when you have grandma, grandpa around, it's very handy. Last night I saw it for myself. There's a cute little baby. That fella was saying amen to my preaching. Praise God. (laughs) And I should have told him, you don't have to carry him out, you know. I enjoy having him in the the group last night, so you don't have to take him out. Sometimes the parents are very considerate, thinking that the baby might be disruptive. He wasn't disruptive. He was smiling all the time. And you were holding her, holding him just now. Beautiful kid, and uh, I don't bind it at all. Sufficient to say that we emphasize on them. I emphasize on this generation strongly because I'm coming back to coming to the second thing now. The first thing that I've just said was understand this. We need a new pair of glasses. And look at life, look at your life in the light of Scripture regarding kingdom life, the kingdom of God. Secondly, this concept of the kingdom I just mentioned that is inclusive of everyone. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are all in the same family. When I read through the Bible, I discovered a strange thing. While we are talking about the kingdom of God, it's about government, it's about policies maybe, you know, that's what government is made of, right? It's about implementation of how to rule. It may be inclusive of politics and so on, but, stuck right in the middle of all the stories about kings and kingdoms are family stories. Right throughout the whole Bible. And right, it, right up to the end, it wasn't just only about Adam and Eve as the first family. There was already family at the very beginning, but right up to the end, Jesus is coming back for a bride. It is about a family. And you've got Samuel going to be the great prophet of God for the whole of Israel. He's a kingmaker and all these high-level things that he's doing. But you know how it all began? A Lady called Hannah only wanted to have a child. That's all she wanted. But included in this family context, Rose, the prophet of God. And then you have King David. King David was king. King after God's own heart, man after God's own heart. He was a, he was a king of, uh, of great integrity and man that was able to, to, to continue God's plan because King Saul mucked it up. But there was a family story within it. That fellow committed adultery. And then there was other problems about uh, him having children that were wayward. Absalom. And okay, back to kingmaker Samuel. Samuel was then dedicated to the temple under Eli. And you talk about Eli, he was a high priest. And we're talking about a high priest. You you know, we should be talking about the things he does as a high priest. But no. The Bible focused on his two sons, Phineas and Hophni. Or Hophni. Family story. And how both of them died on the same day. Because they went wayward. They went off. The Old Testament. New Testament, Paul says the church is the family of God. We kind of know. In fact, we kind of know many things. That was the thing that the Lord struck me. You kind of know many things, but where is the reality of the family of God? Because... I was busy building churches. If not careful, I could also join the ranks of the people in the 80s whereby you can have a PK syndrome, whereby pastor's kids are losing their children to the world. And we know it for firsthand. Last night I was recounting some of the popular and famous uh, personalities, Elvis Presley, sang gospel songs. He has a church background. Michael Jackson had a church background. Whitney Houston, church background. Maradona, church background. And I don't know who else. It's just only besides the, it is just about the point about thinking that if I serve the Lord, my family will be okay. Not necessarily so. Not necessarily so. If we don't pay attention, this is my second point, okay? My first point is classes. My second point is your family lens. The first lens is kingdom lens. The second lens is family lens because the kingdom of God is executed by a very humble entity called the family. And doing church like we did, We did it seriously. Gave my whole life for it, man. Running around like a hero. Traveling. Thinking that you are seeking first the kingdom of God. And some people, when you ask them, what do you mean by seeking the kingdom of God? I'm in a church choir. I'm doing ushering. When you ask them about what it is to be seeking first the kingdom of God, usually the answer is, I'm doing something in church not saying that I'm learning how to rule. Not learning how to have the nature of God to rule in such a way whereby God rules. You can't rule if the nature of God doesn't rule. Did you hear me? You only can rule when the nature of God is ruling in you because who are you ruling? You are going to rule over the system of this world which is under Satan. 1 John five nineteen says, this whole world is under the control of the evil one. Ho. Oh. So now you wonder why the politics of this world is like that. You wonder why it is so easy and possible for the one whole system, one, one world system to come about. Today, Is probably getting closer than we like it to be. Things are being controlled. At the moment, you are seeing maybe different systems. Maybe it's within our lifetime that we will be seeing all all of them integrated so that we can have peace and harmony in the world. Then the scripture will come to pass. When you say peace, peace, actually there are no peace. But then it appears to be peace. Somebody is going to be a champion whereby he is going to bring everything together. But the Bible calls him the Antichrist. And the Bible calls him the beast. And control of everything together in one way, one form, is so possible for because of computerization. Everyone is tracked. Tasmania is to be one of the first that's implementing this because you are the safest in the whole of Australia as far as COVID is concerned. So they, is, they are tracking everyone that stepped down from the plane. And I was held up for a little while just to make sure that I have the QR code and everything in place so that they can track me where I go. So I have to give them my telephone number, my email address and everything else. And where I live in Melbourne. I'm just saying this to let you know. That if you want to rule, you need to rule with the nature of God. And the nature of God happens to be grounded in the spirit of family. He is Father in heaven. So, what is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Jesus Christ came as Son of God. But when come to dealing with us in learning how to rule in the nature of God, Jesus referred to Himself as the Son of Man. Ain't that interesting? You know why? Because He is our forerunner. If He remained as Son of God... And deity, we've got no hope. But when he is son of man, we are also humans. We will have the hope. But he is son of God. We too are sons and daughters of God. But we are son of man first before we are sons and daughters of God. So he, therefore, refers to himself as the son of man. When you read those scriptures with kingdom lens, And with the nature of the family in the spirit of it, you will understand why He is called the Son of God and Son of Man. Son of Man is for our benefit to let you know you can do it. Because when He referred to Himself as the Son of Man, whatever that He did in power, in miracles, in signs and wonders, they were all in the capacity of a human being endowed with the power of the Holy Ghost. I love it when we are Pentecostals, hallelujah. Never apologize for it. But today, people don't even need to pray in tongues. It's as if like the sights and the sounds and the music, and the louder they are, the the easier it will be for you to live your Christian life. You can't beat the devil if you don't have the Holy Spirit, baby. And we need it. Yeah? So pray in tongues like crazy. Pray in tongues a lot. If you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. If you really want to enter into a realm of praying, work hard on entering into praying in tongues and the devil will try to stop you. Let me tell you this. The moment you start trying to pray in tongues, you will be sleeping and yawning away. The moment you try to pray in tongues, there will be interruptions. Hallelujah. How are we doing for time? We should be gone by now, <laughs> it's already 11.40. And I'm into my second point. <laughs> Not bad, because kingdom life is of a kingdom lens, and the lens of the family. And the family is important. My third point, is a very simple thing, but I tell you what, it took me 15 years to arrive at these three points. The third point is discipleship. Because that's how Jesus did it. To to do this whole grand plan of kingdom of heaven on earth, what did he do? Call out 12 people to make disciples out of them. I told you, you kind of know these things. But what you kind of know doesn't, and if it hasn't changed your life, it means we really didn't know it. So if we kind of heard the word disciple before, and when we are told to make disciples, we don't know how to do it, and if we are even a minister like myself, and trying to figure out how to disciple my own children, if I've not really done it, I've got to relook look at kingdom eyesight again, family eyesight in 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 the context of kingdom. And if you don't know how to do it, you haven't got it. And I used to say this, if you know something but you're not changed by it, you haven't got it. Is that all right to say things like that? I'm not just coming here with a motivation message. you know. I'm telling you that, may, hey, your family is going to be transformed. Your trans- family, it can be transformed, but your, but your life has to be transformed. You transform by wearing a new pair of glasses. The first pair, Kingdom Lens. The next pair, Kingdom lens in the context of family. Your family is absolutely important. And the third pair of glasses is the discipleship mentality. Discipler mentality. And when you are having a discipler mentality, now you've got to relook at how you are developing your children. I am not saying developing your children to be church people. But church is important. I've given my whole life for church. So I'm not shooting myself in my leg regarding church. But I'm wanting kingdom life and kingdom church. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's about kingdom family. The book that I've written is called Kingdom Family. It has some of these foundations in there. Unfortunately, I've run out but I remember, I thought I had, so I was ready to bring some over here, but uh, I had some being sold at MFI, but there was no opportunity for me to actually explain some of these things that I'm explaining to you in MFI. So they don't know about it. So you know how we are, we buy books and then we put them on the shelf, we might not even read it. I'm like that. I buy many books, and it looks very impressive on the shelf. (laughs) Might have taken a long time before I even touch it. (laughs) Okay. But there is a book that I have written, and it's called Kingdom Family. And it's got some of these foundations in it. And if you like, if you want that book, then I can get the KL to send some more over here. But you have to help me with the cost of it, okay? Uh, Because transport, freight, charges, besides the printing costs. I'll let uh, Adrian tell me what you need and how many would like that copy and then we'll get them sent over. This third lens is a very challenging lens. We are used to doing church. It's almost like your whole Christian life is around the church. And I'm not saying anything less than that. But I'm saying something that is more fundamental. Because church ought to be a disciple-making church, not a church just only to do services so that people can get a jab, like I said, and get perked up for the Sunday on the Sunday to face a Monday. And then by when by Monday comes right through the uh, Friday. It's about good week and bad week. Not necessarily about good Jesus or bad Jesus. It's about how your sleep has been. It's about how your week has been. But is it about the dominion of God, the nature of God, the power of God in operation? So that's why it's necessary for us to rethink about our discipleship. And discipleship in my mind, because I'm a church person, planted many churches, is about discipling people how to do church. But when you go home, you're not doing church. You're going home to face the reality of raising up a family. And so there was a dichotomy, a separation between church life, home life, kingdom life. What is it? Are you understanding? I'm telling you from my own journey. These are all my struggles that I had for the last 15 years. And it took me 15 years now to be able to articulate it. And I hope it benefits you to to really tell you these three things today. You know what? I've got to change my glasses. Because my church life, my church discipleship, it's only how to do church, how to get people on the stage and how to, how to do follow-up and so on. But did I train them to how to prosper their family? Did I? I have premarital counselling. But after premarital counselling, you get married and you're left on your own. I have not really had anything that will help fathers to become fathers, but we're all having to become fathers without anybody tutoring us. We've got mothers who doesn't even know how to do breastfeeding and my wife was helping them a little bit because she was actually a nurse and she was a, uh, what do you call it, um, midwife. And so she had helped the ladies in the church to, to even become mothers in that area. But the, it's a lot more how to become a wife and how to become a godly woman. We have ladies meeting, no problem. But you see, the focus, I think, need to be intensified. Regarding family life for the purpose of God's kingdom. Not just only family life. Now I'm talking about family. But I'm not James Dobson. He's a guru on family life. You read him. Don't read me. Don't read my book. My book is not about doing family only. But my book is about building kingdom families. Families that will have the faith to have the supernatural when you need it. Somewhere along the line, we're going to need it. Somewhere along the line, people in families will fall gravely ill. And we so desire God to do it miraculously, heal miraculously, touch miraculously. And yet many just died and get buried. Is there any lack of desire for miracles? No. But I told you there was a lid. There was Introduction. So, these three points I summarize. There was a lid in the life of Christianity and the tradition of the church that we have inherited, and maybe we don't even know it. And I'm exposing that lid. It's the way we have done church. And it's, it's, in, it's incorporated in the way we kind of do discipleship, but missed out the most important thing discipling people, discipling children. To become children of God for the purpose of God's kingdom. So when you ask people about what's your purpose in life, I did it. I had an exercise. I interviewed 200 people. Half of them men, men, half of them husbands and wives, okay? I interviewed 200 people. Less than five people gave me answers regarding what it is to live for God's kingdom purpose. One of them was my youth pastor because he's been hearing me for the last 20 years. Five out of 200 is 2.5%, which means 97.5% of the people have no clue of what it is to live for God's kingdom. Many of them said, my children are in a worship department. My children are in the youth as as a youth leader, and or I'm a cell leader, or this and that. Everything regarding the church system, but not necessarily my second point about the family system that is pertaining to the kingdom of God on earth. My third lens is a discipleship lens, and discipleship lens. While it's necessary for me to speak to the whole group like this. But this is still like a classroom. You're taking notes if you do. But you know what? Real life is not in a classroom. That's why God put family to be his agent of kingdom influence on this earth. And family is a small group. But when you're so used to a concept of congregation, It's so hard for many congregations in the world to entertain the development of small group mentality. And in some places, it's even worse. In certain nations, when they came and they heard me, you know, when I do my conferences for pastors, they say, Pastor, we can't do small groups, you know. The moment I put somebody as a pastor, or or, or as a leader of a small group, that fellow will take them out and then they will split the church. This is the condition of churches today. They can't do it because the whole idea of family is not in them. Church is not a family because if you're a family, families can't just split up like that if it's a good family. Isn't it? The spirit of a family, the unity of it. But today, church is done in such a way by, by, by the time when they come into church, they're already divided. Parents on one side, children on the other side, teens on the other side. And then they move three ways. Am I saying the truth or not? Yeah? I'm not hitting myself in my, I told you, shooting myself in my leg. I'm just describing what I know. But I'm also describing that, hey, we've got hope, man. We've got a bright future because God is revealing these things to us And but we have got to change. If we don't change, we are in trouble. I speak quite hard, uh, strongly this morning. <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't come with a nice pastoral message. I'm telling you purpose, babe. I'm telling you that they, they are, this generation, they're gonna, gonna make, it's not going to be easy for them because the world's values are going to make them very confused. So if we don't have discipleship in the home, and now when I said it, I am now facing a problem. We haven't trained our families to properly disciple our children spiritually. We are very responsible people in raising up children and providing naturally, physically. But to train our children to be spiritually relevant for God's kingdom and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, Is a different matter. Might not have done it so well. My conclusion is this. After hearing a message such as this, I pray you would begin to reconsider where you have been and where you are heading. I'm painting a picture of a vision of kingdom life, a higher life. And in my understanding of it, it's a life that includes the supernatural. The family is the natural bit. But yet, because it's a kingdom family, the kingdom is the supernatural bit. So that we can be naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural by the marrying of these two lenses together, kingdom and family, and to execute it practically, Jesus has invented this idea of discipleship. And we have done church in such a way whereby maybe that was not well done. That's why we are having such difficulties in transiting from one generation to another. Some churches are closed after COVID. Do you know that? After COVID, some churches have already closed. Why? According to the statistics that came out from Bana Research, 30% of people have decided that they don't need to go to church anymore because they are used to watching them on TV. But they need the church to bury them or to marry them. But the world is now offering another way of doing it without church. Marriage celebrant will be fine. And you don't even need the church building anymore because you can do it in the gardens. Only the older generation requires bearing a pastor to do this and pastor to do that. But the world is offering a lot of things that make you irrelevant, make the church irrelevant. Now you have to decide, I have to decide which way we want to go. And we have a Christian faith for so long. We don't want to go the world's way because the world's way ends up with 666. Do you want your children to be in that category? In my eschatology, I realize that while we do not call ourselves pre-trip people, we realize that there will be a taking up. Revelation chapter 12. But you see, Revelation chapter 12 ends with people who are still Christians on earth. Not everyone is taken up. I'm going beyond what I'm saying. Cut it here. That's it. No need to talk about the book of Revelation. (laughs) I'm telling you, this thing will make you think and think and think again. And I hope you will enter into your kingdom life. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, Father God, for this wonderful people here. Thank you, Father, for the attention that they have given me. Thank you, Father, for the atmosphere of your presence in this place. And the children are just exceptional, Father. I thank you for them. What a wonderful atmosphere, whereby we have all the families and the children together, and yet the parents are so attentive. I give you praise and I give you glory for what's happened this morning. And I pray, Father God, that you would just cause your hand to rest upon each and every family here particularly the parents particularly the father of figures and that jesus you would cause minds to be turned to you in a powerful way so that our future will enter into a higher level everyone enters into a higher entry level in life to be able to beat the system and victorious to the glory of jesus name So bless this church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. (laughs) Hallelujah.